The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pith Podcast. Get ready for contact. What's up, everybody? This is Dex with the I Am Pits podcast, and I'm back for another episode. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. My God, did I ever. I ain't gonna lie. I'm actually disgusted with myself at how much I ate. My God, man. This is the most I've eaten for Thanksgiving in years. And I mean, man, I did some damage, yo. But I mean, that's what happens when you have a family like mine. So we went to Indianapolis to go be with my family, my cousins. And man, let me tell you, man, there was so much food, man. If you look on my Instagram, I am Pitts one Instagram page where you can see my family and you can see the food spread. And my God, I mean, man, it was one regular turkey roasted, one smoked turkey. And we had a smoked brisket and then we had chitlins. You know, you only eat them once a year, man, once or twice a year. I can't do chitlins all the time now. But I definitely did partake of the chitlins, man. The Mississippi in me could not resist the chitlins. But my God, was it good. And man, I like I was disgusted with myself. I didn't eat for almost 24, 36 hours after we came back from uh, from Indianapolis, man. I, I just needed my gut needed a break. Oh, my God. And, you know, man, it was good. Like I said, Thanksgiving was great. Coming home was great and going back to work was great. But. What ruined it for me was going to Lowe's yesterday. Now, you all know me. If you've listened to this podcast before, you all have heard me rage before on Lowe's Homes Improvement Store. And yesterday they got me again. And I'm pissed. Absolutely pissed. Because I've been wanting to get into smoking meats. I love meat. And man, I finally broke down and decided to go buy me a vertical pellet smoker from Pit Boss. And while I was in the store, guess what I said? I was like, you know what? I want to, I'm lazy. I'm an American. I make decent money in this life. And guess what? I don't want to do peddly jobs. I'm blessed enough to the point to where, you know what? If I don't want to do this, I can pay somebody else to do it. And that's what I did. So I meet with the Lowe's workers, the retail workers, and They take my order and they say, hey, do you want somebody to assemble this for you in the store? I was like, absolutely. I don't have time to deal with peasant jobs such as putting stuff together in nuts and bolts and screws. I don't have time. I don't know. Some of y'all thinking you ain't a real man. And, you know, I'm not. I don't have those skills, man. I don't. I know how to fight people. I know how to arrest people. That's it. I don't have time to be putting stuff together. That's why I pay people to do it. And so I signed up for the service to have it assembled. Sir, you come to the store on Wednesday and pick it up. It'll be ready. Well, guess what? I get to the store yesterday and I was instantly offended. Why? Because my pellet smoker was still in a box. And I looked at my receipt like, uh, and I talked to the person. I was like, hey, wasn't somebody supposed to assemble this for me? Well, it's not on the receipt. Well, I know, but the people at the store that did my order said it would be assembled. Well, it's not. Well, clearly, I see it's not assembled. And that's a problem. And that's when I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to take my stinking smoker and I'm leaving this damn store and I'm not coming back again. My God, like that is the second time I've dealt with Lowe's with them getting an order wrong or just doing. Oh, my God. And y'all want raises? Like, bro, how hard is your job? How hard is it? Listen, like I said, I'm lazy. Let me be in a lazy American. Let me be that guy that doesn't want to assemble my own stuff. That is what I have worked so hard for. I don't want to do it. I want to pay you all to do it. And clearly, my money ain't good enough. I don't know what it is. And so, you know what? I got home last night, poured me a glass of bourbon, and I sat in my garage and put together my pellet smoker. Because low stanky ass, y'all suck. I hate y'all with a passion. The only reason I went there, because Home Depot didn't have it. And Home Depot ain't been that great either. Well, I don't know what is going on, man, with the amount of issues in retail stores, man. It's just a sign of the times and the impending doom and decline of the American society. As I said in that one episode, so goes Lowe's, so goes the nation. And ladies and gentlemen, it ain't going so well. But let me move on before I get too caught up and too emotional over Lowe's. And speaking of getting emotional, you know what? There is nothing more frightening in this world to a black man than being on top of a white woman in a bush than hearing her yell, rape, rape, help me Donald Trump, help me of Uncle Trump. And I know what y'all are thinking. Hold on, hold on, slow down. It ain't what you think it is, all right? Context, people, context. It's me doing my job in my new location where I work in the city of Louisville and dealing with a woman that is not mentally well and causing problems and breaking the law and terrorizing the neighborhood. And so the crazy part is where I currently work, like I said, it's still in the city of Louisville. It's a city within a city, but, but it's, I see a lot of the same people that I used to work with in a, the other, the day before this incident, I saw my buddy in a shopping plaza and we were talking about this crazy lady that's been terrorizing the area lately. And he told me, he was like, hey, man, she's crazy. Don't go near her. I was like, what does she do? He told me, he was like, man, every time I get near her, she starts to yell rape and just starts running. And boy, he was not lying. When I came in contact with her and it was nighttime and she was in that <laughs> in that hedge of bushes and I came up next to her. Oh, man, <laughs> it was definitely on. And I was like, oh, he was not lying. And I'm just looking around as she's yelling rape. I'm like, oh, wow, this is, wow, this is very, very uncomfortable right now. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, we had a job to do and we did the job. And you know what? This was like my official welcome to the suburbs, man. This is my official I'm no longer a city cop. I'm officially what I call a quota sack cop now. Because where I come from, it, and I spent most of my career in the city downtown you know i'm used to policing on a grid i'm used to policing with numbered streets but now where i work it's quota sacks and and i tell you what it's a lot harder to navigate in that in a quota sack area man it's it's rough i mean i'm lost even worse even my gps is lost man you know i think my gps was so used to being downtown and even though i didn't really need it it's good to use it for a reference just to have, but I can operate without it because it's easy. Hey, man, I look north, it's the Ohio River. I look left, that's west. I look right, that's east. I look behind me, that's south. That easy. 
being out in the suburbs is a whole different game. I ain't gonna lie, I'm enjoying it. I'm loving the change of pace, man. It's been nice. But man, like I said, trying to get oriented is rough and difficult. Like I said, my GPS is even lost. Man, I atten- I made a traffic stop the other night and I looked at my GPS and I called off with those coordinates because it's so dark out here. There's not a lot of street lights and I can't see these freaking street signs out here at night. My God, it's so dark. And I'm just like, man, I can't see anything. So I call off on what I see on the GPS. And then I get that awkward radio call over the radio from my FTO, my excuse me, my PTO, my police training officer. And he says, uh, radio had that unit advised on their location again. Because I'm where he says he's at and he's not here. I'm like, oh, God, where am I? <laughs> and, you know, at least downtown, I can look at it and be like, hey, I'm at the Walgreens on Broadway by, you know, by the by the interstate, by the overpass. And everybody knows where it's at. Out here, now nah, I play. None of it all looks the same. It's just houses, manicured lawns, and streets. You know, I, I'm definitely not policing in the Louisville I know. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> I'm in a place now where it's weird, where old, old white women challenge me in uniform while I'm doing my job. And I'm not talking about like 2020 protest challenges. It's like just normal, regular, everyday me doing my job. It was so strange. So when I got lost on that traffic stop that I called out on, what had happened was I was attempting to make a traffic stop on this car that had just blew through the stop sign without stopping right so man i hit the red and blues and i whipped a yui and this car sees me speeds off down the street and makes a left and i'm like oh this person's running like what's going on so i get behind the car and they pull into a house and into a driveway and my reds and blues are on and the next thing you know this little old white lady gets out the car and as i'm getting out my car and i'm like and before I can even say anything, she says, can I help you? I'm looking. I was I was not prepared. I was like, uh, uh, yeah, you could. Yeah. Uh, I was lost. I was caught off guard, man. I was not trained for that. I was not trained to deal with little old white ladies in the suburbs, y'all. And it's like, man, the part of me is like, I'm a city cop. I know how to do, handle this. And then I looked at her like. How do I really handle this right now? And I said, I was like, uh, ma'am, could you do me a favor and please get back in your car? Why? I was like, it, and my thing is, I know she saw me. I was right behind her. And she thought if she got to her house, that she was going to be safe. And that, guess what? I wouldn't be able to do my job. <laughs> now, that's not the case, man. That's not the case. But, man, it was just so bizarre. So I was like, hey, do me a favor. Please get back. Well. Get back in your car, okay? And I'll tell you why I stopped you. So I, I let her know, you know, you ran a stop sign. You can't do that. And she says, well, I thought you were EMS. It's like, no, definitely not EMS, ma'am. Definitely not EMS. <laughs> so I cut her a warning instead of an actual ticket because I don't want to be that guy. Then it turns out she's the officer. She's the mother of uh, one of my former colleagues on LMPD. So I was glad that I was extra nice. But uh, if you're hearing this, my friend, you tell your mother, teach her some proper traffic stop etiquette. All right. And not to challenge the police in your driveway. <laughs> when you see the police behind you, guess what? You got to stop. And for anybody else listening, your driveway in your residence is not home plate. That don't mean you're safe. 
Yeah, it don't mean you get there and everything magically goes away, okay? Man, the last time that happened to me was when I was a rookie cop, and it was like 2012, man. I had a guy that I was trying to stop and pulled over, and he just kept going and going and going. And this is down in the hood in the West End. You know, this dude, I mean, it's like he goes for another one a minute, and I'm calling off on it. You know, I got one felony yield. And this guy finally gets to his driveway, hops out his car, throws up his arms and yells, safe. I'm like, man, get your ass down on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Now, should I have said that to the old lady? Definitely not. Complete different circumstance. Complete different. <laughs> completely different. If I had done that there, yeah, I probably would be unemployed this morning. <laughs> and you know what? And if I was unemployed this morning, there's definitely a place I would not be going back to, and that's the Louisville Metro Police Department. So funny I say that because I was at the jail the other day and I saw some of my partners I used to work with downtown, and they told me that there's a uh, they have a betting pot, a betting pool, and the over-under is that I will be back with LMPD by May. <laughs> so if you're voting against me, I'm going to tell you right now, you've already lost because I'm not leaving the burbs, baby. I should have came out to the burbs a long time ago, man. <laughs> So, yeah, but no, it's just funny that, you know, because everybody's like, man, you're the only guy that's left here, came back just for the riots and then left again. I was like, yeah, I did. Like I said, I'm ambitious, man. I can't help. I can't help that I'm that great of an officer that I can apply to the feds and get hired, that I can go to a different police department in Arizona and get hired, that I could come back to a police department that is falling apart at the seams, that is experiencing riots and be hired and then do that for two years and then. Decide, you know what, I'm done with this place and go to another police department and get hired. I can't help it that I write resumes well and that I have lived an awesome and amazing career and that people want me on their department, man. Yes. But that is the life I have chosen. And I you know I don't regret any of it, man. I'm, I'm happy to be where I'm at. I really like it. And I can honestly tell you, I am going to be here a long, long time. As long as I don't start beating up little old white women, I think I'm good. And I don't plan on doing that, <laughs> you know, but it's just so weird just looking at Louisville Metro from the outside in now. You know, and it's just like, man, you know, what is there for me to go back to? And I'm just looking at Louisville and man, it's the current environment. I can't even explain the current environment. I have one of my buddies that I was in the academy with. He's a retired military guy. and He's in Louisville. He's left to come back. You know, and he's like, man. Bro, I'm happy you got out, man. And we were just talking. He was like, bro, this place is, I can't even describe it right now. You know, just the change is so, so freaking different. You know what I mean? The the people are different. The leadership is different. Everything is different. And I posted a, a picture last night on my Instagram, at I am pitch one on Instagram, of me in 2013 as a three-year officer, a rookie cop, with my major, major uh, Bill Christofek, who he was on one of my earlier episodes, and that was the episode of the LMPD I remember episode, you know, and with uh, one of our, uh, our uh, other lieutenants, uh, Lieutenant Steinle, who's now retired as well. And I put in the caption, like, man, this was the department I know and remember. Like, it was fun. Had so much fun working at Screaming Eagles, man. And in that picture, we're in front of this airbrush painting of a black guy with his two middle fingers up. And on top of it, it says, To my enemies. And, you know, I was just looking at that picture, like, man, God, we had so much fun and it wasn't about, you know, the media, politics. It was just, hey, we're the police. Let's go out and do our job and have fun. And those days are gone, man. And it's the current environment. So 
up in the air because we have the new mayor-elect Craig Greenberg coming in. And man, I'm just looking at everything and nobody knows the current, you know, trajectory of the city. Nobody knows the future of LMPD or the fate of LMPD or Louisville. It's all up in the air. And it's just like, man, I don't want to sit around and wait to see what's going to happen. You know, so I've been paying attention to a lot of things, even though I'm not there. That's still my home, still my people. It's still the county I operate in. It's still the same courthouse I use. It's still the same jail I use. The same jail that let me sit there for almost two and a half hours the other night on a prisoner waiting to get into the jail because it's so understaffed, you know. So but man, it's a, uh, you know, looking at Craig Greenberg, I don't wish any incoming mayor or any person that's elected to an office failure. I don't hope anybody fails unless in their plan is to de to destroy and fundamentally destroy the department of the city. Then I hope you fail. You know, that that that's something I would hope you would fail at if that's your goal. But if you just because somebody has a different perspective of what they think would make the city better doesn't mean they're wrong. It doesn't mean they're right. Just for me, just personally, it's hard for me to say, I hope you suck at your job and fail because I want to see the city grow. I want to see the police department get better. I want to see the citizens happy. I want to see the citizens served by the police department. You know, I want your tax dollars that you pay to pay my salary, my training, and all this other stuff. I want to see all that stuff and if working for you. And I hope that Craig Greenberg can do that, man. But I was sitting there thinking, you know, I don't think he's the right man for the job. And I remember I ran into Craig Greenberg once and I talked to him uh, back in 2021. But, you know, and I'm going to tell you the conversation we kind of had briefly. But I, I kind of wrote a letter to Craig Greenberg, just like I did in previous podcast with dear you know dear mayor uh, greg fisher goodbye <laughs> and then also dear chief erica shields i wrote i did that podcast i did another one and this one was for uh dear mayor elect craig greenberg so here goes dear mayor elect craig greenberg i know who you are and what you stand for according to the campaign you ran i also know what your focus is from the one time i met you in person i was working off duty in full uniform at the Spring Fest in May of 2021 in Old Louisville. You introduced yourself to me along with your black female assistant. You didn't try to get to know me, my history, or who I am at my very core. And I understand that you're a very busy man, but you wasted no time in seeing me as just a black face in a uniform. Why do I say that? Because your first and only question to me was, how do we recruit more minorities to the police force? My response to you was, I don't think we should. That should be our main focus, sir. When people call 911, they don't request a certain type of officer. They just want an officer. I can tell that my response caught you all in your assistant off guard because you looked at me extremely confused because my response did not match your expectations of me based on the color of my skin. You all were clearly expecting a different answer. And you replied, shouldn't the police force reflect the community? My reply was, well, it does, sir. You both left awkwardly and in a hurry. I can only imagine the conversation between you two about me as you walked away. That was when I knew that you were not my choice to lead Louisville into the future because you were more concerned about how your police force looks as opposed to how your police force performs. You have said time and time again, public safety is my number one priority. Well, let me tell you, 
public safety does not care about the coolest and latest political trend in America, DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, it still baffles me that the media and politicians such as yourself are still fighting battles of the past that we as a society have moved on from. That is not to say that there are not still lingering issues or problems when it comes to race and equality in America, but understand that the solution to what you all believe is white supremacy is not black supremacy. If this was America slash Louisville 1960, I could see the need to wage this war on the status quo, but that is not the America that we currently know today. DEI can be a focus, but not the focus. DEI cannot be the main driving force behind your department. Mayor-elect, wars, battles, and missions are not won and completed by the most diverse force, but the best trained, best equipped, and most disciplined force. Training, equipment, and discipline transcend everything that DEI is about. Mayor-elect, LMPD does look like the community when you compare Louisville's demographics to LMPD's demographics. Let me direct you to the Hilliard Hines report that Mayor Greg Fisher had paid for to look into LMPD. And that's just that, sir, that he paid millions of dollars to do this study. And when it comes to LMPD and diversity personnel, it says the Louisville Metro Police Department needs to focus on diversifying its staff which is best practices for organizations that are striving to build community, trust, and collaborating working relationships. Across the department's eight divisions, only 6.2% of the department's sergeants and 10.3% of lieutenants are officers of color. To put that in context, black members comprise 12.5% of LMPD and white members comprise 82%. Now, Mayor, I want you to keep those numbers in mind as I tell you this right here, if you look at Louisville's demographics from the same study in 2015, you will see that the black population in Louisville sits at 21.2%, while the white population in Louisville sits at 68.9%. Now, I know those numbers don't scale exactly, but if you look at the, the ratios, whites are the majority in Louisville. Therefore, guess what? Whites are going to be the majority on the police department and look at the ratio for blacks on the police department and blacks in Louisville. They almost fit exactly. Yeah, they might be off by a couple numbers here and there, but that is literally the department reflecting the community. And you can even look at those numbers and scale that nationwide. When you look at the fact that black people are 13 percent of America's population and America's white population is at 75%. It almost still scales down to the Louisville Metro Police Department. The Louisville Metro Police Department reflects the nation and the city of Louisville based on those numbers. So my question is, why do you keep focusing on DEI when the police force reflects those things? And let me tell you why I think you keep talking about that. That's because you're a politician and you're pandering for votes, doing the same old song and political dance that has been done for years and years with no change. Let me be honest with you, sir. You are not going to be the great savior of the black community. The black community has to save itself from within. All you can do is give them the tools, teach them how to use it and let them figure it out for themselves. 
if you want to be a successful mayor and make Louisville safe, then there is one thing you must do. Keep your politics and nose out of police business. Let your police chief and his officers do their job. Now, there will be times when you need to intercede, but not on every incident at every level. You have to trust the person you hire to lead the troops. It's really that simple. Don't cave to the few voices of the hateful that are living on the fringes, but listen to the collective voices of those in the middle. Respectfully, former Louisville Metro police officer Dexter Pitts. And that is my letter to the mayor-elect Craig Greenberg. Like I said, man, I'm not going to wish this guy any ill will or, you know, like I, said, I have a lot of questions still about that shooting that happened a couple months back at his office. But you know what? I mean, the man won the election as the people have spoken. And that is what Louisville has chosen. And you know what? That's what they want. That's what they get. So, but like I said, I hope he heeds and listens to the police. And like I say, it's a hard job being mayor. It is, man. When you're at the helm of, you know, the city, you have to worry about different populations and different sectors of the city. Then you have different departments on the city that that work for you. It's it's a lot of stuff, man. And he's not just dealing with the police. He's dealing with everyone and everything and everybody. It's not an easy job. But I feel like if you want to succeed, hire, put the right people in the right place. That's it. And Louisville will come together. But like I said, you have to remove politics from policing. You cannot have politics and policing. We are seeing what politics and policing has done since 2015, since Ferguson and the Mike Brown incident. The Ferguson effect is real, absolutely real. And because of that, Louisville and the Louisville Metro Police Department are in desperate need of good leadership, y'all. I cannot tell you all how bad they need leadership. And the problem is, man, we've had, I think, probably five police chiefs in the last three years. Man, cops want and cops need consistency. Cops do not like change. I'm telling you because I am one. We do not like change, man. And there's just been change after change after change after change. And no one can get comfortable and get a rhythm and put their you know, finger on the pulse and really figure out what's going on. And we're always on our heels and we don't trust who's coming in. We don't know who's coming in. And that's a nightmare for a guy that's on the street. And, you know, people say, you know, what happens at the top doesn't really affect how you do your job. Well, for the most part, it don't. But it does sometimes. And when it does, it impacts you heavily and it changes everything about how you police and you know, how you respond to calls, man. And just it changes your mental and emotional mindset. Man, when you have constant change, because like I said, cops like we're people and we're creatures of habits, really bad at it. <laughs> and that would be me, myself included. That's why I'm all over the place right now, because I don't have a good habit going right now. I don't have a system that I'm on and, you know, a schedule. So I'm kind of all over the place. That's why this podcast is so late. And so, like I said, with the Louisville currently, there's a lot up in the air and I can tell you who is not going to be leading the Louisville Metro Police Department, and that is the current chief, Chief Erica Shields. So Chief Shields has been here in Louisville with since uh, it's been about two years. So she came from Atlanta after the incident with the uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but the incident, Ahmad Brooks shooting in which the guy was in his car, fell asleep in the drive through drunk. The officers go up to him. 
in the car. You know, they, you know, they did, tried to deal with him and handle him. The guy decides to fight and run, grabs the officer's taser, shoots it at him. Officers shoot and kill him. Next thing you know, the whole city goes up. And for some odd reason, they burn down the damn Wendy's. Man, what did little Wendy ever do to y'all, man? Like, why would you burn down the Wendy's, bro? Like, what, what did Wendy's have to do with any of it? Makes no sense, man. But that's just, that was just 2020. Just more of the same crap, man. <laughs> Still can't believe they burned down the Baconator and the Junior Bacon Cheeseburger and the Milkshakes, man. Or the Frosties. God, what a horrible decision on their behalf. But back on track. But like I said, she's been here for two years. And personally and honestly, I'm not a huge fan of hers. I'm not going to sit here and say she's a bad person because why? I don't know her personally. I, in my uh, episode I did to her, uh, Dear Chief, I told you all, send an email, wanted a personal meeting because I wanted to be part of the future of LMPD and I want to be a part of the change going forward. And, hey, let's get together. I'm going to help you and make this place better. And, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll set up a meeting. And I never got a meeting. And like I told you, I'm not the one. I'm not going to tap dance and beg in front of masses, though. Hey, now, I sure would like to be part of your team now. Now, player, I'm not the one. I'm not going to beg you for your attention and for, you know, for meeting because I want to be on the team and help out. So I just you know I was like, you know what? I just bowed out, man. Just left. I was like, it is what it is. You know, so that for me kind of set the precedent. But also just, man, when I look at my police leaders, you know, the first thing I personally look at is and ask myself is, would I follow this person into battle and would I trust them? And when I look at her, I'm like, no, I would absolutely would not. And no, it's not because she's a female. Let me tell you, I've man, I've had some leaders, both male and female, that were absolute beast on this department. And that if they were like, yo, there's a barricaded subject in here, Pitts, and he's got a machine gun nest. We're going to charge it. You know, I got some leaders on here on this department that they said that to me, but hey, I'm right behind you. What you need. Let's do this. Let's do it. And man, a lot of those leaders are now gone. <laughs> there are still some there, you know, thank God. Yo, but man, for the most part, you know, when I look at her, she's just not the person I see as a leader. Like I said, not that she's a bad person. I'm not going to say that she's not qualified. She's been in policing a long time, but just just not not for me, dog. Not, not my cup of tea, man. Not who I see as a leader. You know, wearing rank on your shoulder, a certain rank doesn't give you command, presence and respect. And you got to earn that. And she's not from here. So she's never had the chance to earn my respect or earn my my followership, man. It's just she just came here and just, hey, I'm in charge. Like, OK, that means nothing to me. Well, I'm going to go back to doing my job. <laughs> so as of today, a story just broke about her. Well, the well, the story broke about a week ago when she said that she's officially resigning from her position when the new administration comes in. But then the story broke today on WDRB News here in Louisville that she says that she was told to resign by the new mayor elect. And this is a direct quote from her on the news. She said, I've been asked to leave without any discussion about what work we've done. She said, I mean, that was the decision that was made. I mean, if you have no idea what is occurring internally and you've already come to that decision, I would have to believe it's political. And that, again, is a mayor's prerogative. And I support that, which is why I'll step away. Chief Shields, of course, it's political. What other reason would it be? I'm not going to sit here and say you've done a horrible job in Louisville. You've done some great things. 
a lot of things I didn't like or didn't agree. But you, like I said, you've done a lot of good for the city and the department. Biggest thing, best thing she's done is brought us to the forefront technology wise, getting everybody on the department cell phones. So we don't have to use these old freaking portable digital cameras, then go back to the station and upload our pictures into dims. Freaking phenomenal, man. Got us better equipment, man. She got us to the point to where now new officers don't have to buy their freaking firearms when they come onto the department. Because when I started on the department, the first day of the academy, guess what? You go in there, you sit in there and guess who's in there? The bank, the bank ready to give you a loan so you can buy all your police equipment. Yep. $1,500. Yo. Yep. That's exactly what it was. And everybody took out the little loan and so they could get their purchase, their firearm because the city did up to that point has never bought anybody's equipment and firearms. You get like a uniform or two and that was it. You got to pay to work here. Crazy. Right. So the fact that she did that, I respect that. I'm very, very happy about that. No police officer should ever come to a department and have to purchase your own firearm. That's wild. That's bizarre. So those days are gone. So thank you for doing that. And, you know, but for her to seem sound a little outraged because it's political. I mean, you're a police chief, police chief positions. You are a political, a politician with a gun. Pretty much it. That's all. That's what I see police chiefs as, man. Once you get above a certain rank, you're no longer a cop. You might have the title of cop. You might have the certifications, but you're more focused on politics than actually policing because that's what everything is today. Politics, politics, politics and optics. And so for me, man, when she first got here, you know, she was playing the political game. So I don't want her to be outraged that somebody else is playing the political game with her. Me, I refuse to play politics. I call things as I see them on a face level. And so for the first thing she did when she got here, which really rubbed me the wrong way and put me on the defensive was this. She said that it's a shame that Breonna Taylor was shot while sleeping in her bed. And this is the kicker, folks. She said this doesn't happen to white people. As soon as I heard that, I was like, nope. Well, this is going to be a long, rough time with her at the helm. And then she made another comment, another comment that said, if an officer does something and it looks bad, even though they didn't do the wrong thing, but it looks bad, I'll fire them. I was like, oh, my gosh, she really said that. And then in another interview, a couple months back, maybe about maybe about nine months back, she said, yeah, I believe that officers are, you know, racist and biased. My ra- I was like, what? Now, of course, are there some officers that are racist and biased? Of course. But the way she said it lumped all of us into the same category. And it was obvious and evident. And I was just like, man, this is horrible. Like, and this is somebody playing politics and placating to certain, you know, identity groups, man. I just, and to me, I, I just can't respect that on any level from any police chief, period. And like I said, you're, in, you're, you know, you're the person in charge, so be it. You're playing the political game, so be it. But when the political, no, when the politics come back at you and cost you your job, it is what it is. I don't feel sorry for you. I don't feel bad for you. You don't get, you don't get my sympathy. Like I said, me, I don't play that game. I don't play politics, man. I'm not in it. I know everybody's, you know, politics is everywhere. I know it is. But just because that game's being played don't mean I have to pick up the controller and play that game. I refuse. Because when people say it's just politics, my personal opinion on that is I feel like people say that as a cop out to be a shitty person and a shitty leader when they start bringing up its politics. No, your morals, your values, that's what you're supposed to lean on. 
That's what you're supposed to lead with, not politics. And so, you know, I'm not sad to see her leave. But at the same time, I'm not celebrating her exit either because we don't know who's going to be in charge of Louisville Metro Police Department next. Could be good. Could be bad, folks. Nobody knows what Craig Greenberg is going to do. Nobody knows who he's going to select. But I can tell you this one thing. I can promise you this. They ain't going to be white. <laughs> they definitely not going to have white skin. The next police chief. It might be some light skin, but it ain't going to be white skin. And, you know, the whole thing right now, currently with Louisville, with this up in the air, with who's going to be leading is the mess that they're going to be coming into with the current DOJ investigation into Louisville. As we know, the DOJ has been here and there's a dissent decree about to come down on the city because of, quote unquote, unjust policing practices and targeting certain peoples and individuals in Louisville. So, you know, the whole Breonna Taylor riots and then all the stuff that has happened. Man, this is a messy department, y'all. And I'm saying that as a proud former employee. But, man, we got some mess in LMPD, man. I mean, man, we've had so many scandals. I mean, my God. I mean, kids getting raped by officers. I mean, it's. I can see why the DOJ is here for certain things, absolutely, honestly. You know, but like I said, man, most of the people I work with there were great people. And like I said, it's a small percentage of people that are scumbags in uniform. But, you know, like I said, because of that, the DOJ is in town and I am ready to see and read this DOJ report on the Louisville Metro Police Department. Now, personally, I think it should. it's already done. They haven't released it yet. And I'm just like, why are they holding it? I think it should have came out before the election personally but you know the government federal government gonna do what the federal government gonna do but i find it super interesting that just before the louisville metro police department's doj investigation gets is going to be released in a couple weeks there is a large national study the doj did on police departments that was just released and i saw it today on law enforcement today and my homeboy drew breezy be sure to follow him on instagram i saw him post about it and so i started looking into it and it says Bombshell DOJ report, 54 million police citizen contacts, yet only 2% involve force or threat of force. 54 million police contacts and only 2% involve force. Let that sink in. Listen to that. Let that sink in. Man, that is minor, minute. That is nothing. Two freaking percent. And so I'm going to read some of the highlights from the article that I felt were important. So it says about 1% of U.S. residents experience misconduct during their most recent contact with police. 1% of U.S. residents. In 2020, black drivers, 15%, were more likely than white drivers, 9%, to experience no enforcement action during their most recent traffic stops. And now you got to look at that at 2020. What was going on in 2020? Well, of course, the summer of no love, <laughs> as we call it here, you know, the the riots, man, that, we weren't doing nothing. We that man, if you was black in 2020, you had a free pass and you probably still do now for the most part. Good boy. Officers are like hell to the now. Like, man, you know what? We ain't even stopping people no more, man. Cops were scared. Like I said, the Ferguson effect has been real and it was just magnified in 2020. That's all it was. And then it says 88% reported that they were satisfied with the police response, with 93% saying that they would be more or as likely to contact police again in the future. Approximately 4% of residents experienced some type of police action during the most recent police initiated or traffic stop incident accident related contact. 
With 3% experiencing the threat or use of force, overall use or threat of force or threat of force was 2%. Regardless, there is data indicating that African-American perceptions of law enforcement and respect are troubling and need to be addressed. But it's also clear that African-Americans want police in their communities and are generally satisfied and supportive of law enforcement. So y'all going to go ahead and just listen to the DOJ, the Department of Justice and the federal government now. Y'all want to listen to them now. But guess what? We've been police been telling y'all that for years. We've been telling y'all this, man. But no, hey, no, 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 no. Can't listen to the big, bad racist police force. Everybody on there is racist and hate black people and Asians and everybody can't listen to office. They're all corrupt. They're all members of the same evil system. Oh, you can't trust the police. No, we investigated ourselves and found no wrongdoing. But lo and behold, y'all going to listen to the DOJ now, even though we've been telling y'all this. Okay. It is what it is, man. It is what it is. But before, like, just, man, let me, y'all, everybody in law enforcement right now, if you're listening to this, give yourself a round of applause, stand up, and take a freaking bow. You all are phenomenal and exceptional. To do this job and still be doing this job after all we've been through the last few years, man. Think about it. 98% of us that wear this uniform are phenomenal, upstanding officers doing a great job in protecting the citizens and community and defending the Constitution, man. 98% of us. But there's always that 2%, that stinking 2%, man. I remember when I was a rookie officer, I was always told that 80% of the crime is committed by 20% of the community. And it's actually probably even less, man. And that just tells me that people are genuinely good people. There Are there these crazy jerks out here? Yes. Are there evil people out here? Yes. Are there bad cops? Yes. But that is not the overall. Are there black people out here that'll rob you? Yes. Are there white people out here that'll be racist and call me, drop me, drop the N-bomb on me? Yes. But that does not speak for everybody black or everybody white. We have to get out of this mentality of just grouping everybody and being intellectually lazy and saying them, they, not the alphabet people, not the trans community, not them, they. I'm talking about them, they, as in that group of people over there or these group of people over here are all the same. That's the mentality we got to get out of, man. We have to get away from that as a, as a nation and as a community. Man, we have to look at the individual and take in, you know, we got to take all the facts of the incident into account. We can't just judge an entire group of people based on the actions of a few, man. We just can't. And this study proves it, man. This study absolutely shows it. I'm, that's why I'm so proud to still be in this profession, because it's noble, because this profession is filled with such great men and women who do a phenomenal job day in and day out. And that's why, despite all we went through in 2020, despite all we're going to keep going through, I'm still here for the ride. So I might not be doing it in the same place, but I still swore an allegiance and swore an oath to the same constitution and the same people. And that ain't going to change no matter where I police. But like I said to the mayor elect, man, do not focus on the hateful people on the fringes who only want to talk about that small 2%. And now there are lessons we can learn when we look at the 2% of incidents that uh, result in use of force or that go bad. 
man, you can put those two percent in those that two percent and look at those incidents under there and learn a lot of stuff from it, man, because there's always room for improvement, especially in law enforcement. There's room for improvement for every single freaking police officer in the country. And there's room for improvement for every American citizen in America. There's always room. We're 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 humans. We're in, we're not perfect. We have issues. We have problems. We have biases. I mean, we are just we're all people living in this country together, man. And we can all get better. But let's not just focus on that two percent, man. Let's like say, man, just Americans, just take a, take a, a bow and a round of applause for yourself for being awesome. You know, let's let's all do this together, man. You know, but I was thinking about that two percent earlier. And man, I, I saw this article that came up the other day. And man, sometimes that 2% under that microscope is ugly. So I've talked about this on the show before, but a couple, about, I think 2020, maybe 2019, 2020, we had a newer LMPD officer that was going to a Thornton's gas station here in Louisville and harassing this young lady that was working there. And I mean, he was tying her up and groping on her. And well, the next thing you know, this guy ends up getting fired. And I'm very glad. Well, this article shows that the city just actually settled this lawsuit for the police department. And this lady is now getting fifty five thousand dollars. It says a Louisville Metro police officer tied up, kissed and groped a worker at a gas station while he was on duty. Now the city is paying. Officer Robert Neff pleaded guilty in October 2020 to sexual misconduct and official misconduct for the incidents at a Thornton's gas station off of Bartstown Road near Fern Creek. Recently, Metro government reached a $55,000 agreement with the victim. And you know, that's one of those incidents where it's like, man, yes, the 2% is ugly. And that citizen, that person, she does deserve that money. I think she probably, she deserves more personally. I think she's settled, man. I wouldn't have settled for 55 grand. Man, when somebody does something like that to you in uniform and they abuse that badge, they should that should be paid heavily, very heavily. That's something I take extremely serious, man. And so this guy, you know, the the only reason this got reported was because that 98 percent cop that I was just talking about and celebrating that outstanding, phenomenal officer stood up and did the right thing. My homeboy, I'm not going to say his name on the show, but he knew who he is. But man, he went, he goes to that gas station to fill up and this gas station clerk starts talking to him about this incident, this officer and has concerns. And of course, everybody's like, man, the blue wall of silence officers never turn other officers in. Well, that's a lie because that is exactly what my homeboy did. He went to his chain of command and he started sending stuff up the chain and it came back down with justice for this young lady and for the department because we have enough problems without creepers like this on. And like I said, man, the two percent when you put on a microscope, sometimes it's really ugly. And I just saw another article the other day about an incident that happened in 2016 in Mesa, Arizona. I don't know if you all remember, but it was the shooting of a guy named Daniel Shaver. So the town of Mesa, Arizona, they're going to be paying his uh, widow eight million dollars. And so what happened with this incident was officers were called to this hotel because Daniel Shaver was on a balcony and they said he had a rifle. Well, it turns out, I guess he had a it was a pellet gun and he was showing it to people on the other balcony. And I guess they had been drinking. So they go to the uh, c- cops, get there and they start hailing him out of the room. And man, this video is horrible, man. I'm going to see if I can find it and put the link in the show notes. But man, he's in the hotel hallway. The cop has his rifle drawn on this guy. 
This guy clearly has no weapon. He's crying. He's crawling to this guy. And the officer's calling, you know, calling to this guy, hailing him out and giving him all these commands. The guy is visibly shaking and shooken. And he's like, please don't kill me. Please don't shoot me. And the guy's crawling on his hands, crawling on his hands. And the officer's like, if your hand disappears behind you one more time, I'm going to kill you. And, man, this officer shot this dude with his AR-15 multiple times, bro. It was horrible shooting. Absolute awful shooting. How that officer did not end up in jail, personally, I don't know. That one I don't understand. But it was a very, very messed up situation. And so this family's getting $8 million, and they absolutely should. Because it was just a horrible killing. Some people, officers might feel different. But that's one of those, it seemed like he just wants to shoot and kill somebody. That's disgusting, man. So they deserve every penny of that $8 million that they're getting. Like I say, it won't bring back their loved one. And, of course, yeah, maybe the guy was drunk and maybe the guy was an idiot. But that was not the right thing to do in that situation. But speaking of lawsuits, let me ask you all. What's the price to shoot a cop? Apparently, $2 million. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Kenneth Walker, the boyfriend, former boyfriend of Breonna Taylor, who shot LMPD sergeant and detective John Mattingly in the leg the night of the Breonna Taylor raid. The city just paid this man two million dollars because of the whole incident. Man, this is why I decided, you know what? I'm leaving Louisville. I'm not working for this department. And I'm not living in this county anymore. I can't do it, man. And no place is perfect, but my God, we're now paying people $2 million because you shot a cop. Because, no, he's alleging, you know, they didn't knock and the warrant was, you know, the warrant was messed up and wrong. Now, there was one line in that warrant that's being disputed right now with the other officers that are currently locked up in jail for the whole Breonna Taylor, you know, debacle. That's a whole nother topic and a whole nother day. Oh, but two million dollars. And this man lied when it happened, said they didn't knock. And it's clear they knocked. There's witnesses that said they heard knocking and people yelling police. But the city paid off this man two million dollars. From what I heard the other day, he was pulled over downtown or somewhere in Louisville. And he was in a brand new freaking car. Nice, nice, nice car. Freaking doing donuts. And this man knows he's untouchable whenever he's in Louisville and he can do whatever he wants. We just gave a dope dealer $2 million because he shot a cop and won. Where else but Jefferson County? You know, and I hate to say it, but man, I'm not surprised. Not surprised at all. I say the city gave the family of Breonna Taylor $12 million. And like I said, should she have died? No, but she made her personal choices. She decided to date a drug dealer and they only focus on the 1% of that case that's messed up, but they don't look at the other 99% of that case and those warrants that were perfect and to the T and good and just, man, it just, it just irks my soul, man. There's, and there's just so many things going on in this country that irk my soul. And the, the, for me, I'm so close to all the officers that, we're at the Breonna Taylor raid and, you know, Sergeant Maddenly, man, freaking phenomenal guy, man. I can't imagine what he's feeling, you know, when he learned that, you know, Kenneth Walker was getting $2 million for shooting him. And what, is, what does he get? Nothing. The city gave this man nothing. The city turned their back on this man after he got shot. The city threw this man to the wolves, threw him under the bus. 
but they're going to give a drug dealer criminal $2 million. And you want to recruit more people to the police department and you want these officers to come and work for you. But people take note of this stuff and see this stuff, man. And I talk about this stuff. Like I tell people, I'm not going to tell you not to work in Louisville. I'm not going to tell you to not work for the Louisville Metro Police Department. If you want to work there, hit me up. I'll help you get a job. I'll help you get hired. I'll walk you with you through the process. But just look at, do your research, man. Do your research. And I mean, it can happen here. It can happen anywhere. And just because I'm in a different place don't mean that I'm above this and that it can't happen to me. It could just happen anywhere in law enforcement. But, man, it's just not the type of place I personally want to be under that type of leadership that's going to award a drug dealer two million dollars for shooting a cop. Because that there tells me you don't care about me or my life or my family and that you, you know, you rather give a drug dealer two million dollars than actually do the right thing and have a pair. It. It, it frustrates me, man. So I'm going to move on before I keep getting even more upset. But what also is not upsetting me, but more so annoying me. American celebrities, once again. I don't know why people put so much stock in these people. These are not good people. They're horrible. They're all drug addicts. They're all addicted. And they're all, you know, filled with, you know, self-love and just very egotistical. And they think they're important and they're really not. So I came across an article the other day that I've been reading, not just an article, but I've been seeing so much stuff about all these celebrities are leaving Twitter because Elon Musk, everybody's leaving Twitter. You know what? This is the same group of people who said, if Donald Trump gets elected, I'm leaving America. Well, guess what? Nobody really left America. And guess what? These fools ain't really going to leave Twitter. A lot of these people are saying that they're going to leave, but they're going to take a hiatus, but they'll be back. Why? Because they need your retweets and they need your likes and all that crap because they're addicted to it, man. They're addicted to trying to have their voice be heard and they're addicted to trying to, you know, have their opinion be law. No, they're addicted to hearing only one side of the story. They're addicted to hearing only their voice being heard and being in an echo chamber, the echo chamber that Twitter once was. But now Twitter is no longer that. And now they can't stomach the thought. Of somebody else that's not a celebrity, but an average everyday Joe, an average everyday person like myself, having an opinion that goes up against theirs, that they're upset because I don't see the world that they see. They're upset because I'm a black conservative and they think that I shouldn't be that. And so now they're upset and they're leaving Twitter. One of them was uh, DJ Moby. And I remember Moby. And I'm like, bro, you're not even good at what you do. I don't even know how you got famous. So I don't care that you're leaving Twitter. I don't care that half y'all are leaving Twitter. I'm hardly even on Twitter because it's a cesspool. But he put said he's leaving Twitter because of racism, anti-Semitism and disinformation. Well, brother, you might as well just go ahead and get off of social media in general, my man, because all social media is filled with anti-Semitism, racism and discrimination. It's all part of free speech, my man. And you don't want free speech. You can't handle the freedom of free speech. You're offended by free speech because you are offended by people who see the world different than you. So, bro, go ahead and leave. All y'all, like I said, I know you'll all be back in a little bit of time. It's only a matter of time before you all come back and, you know, you need your quick fix of celebrity and popularity. So, man, just leave. You don't have to make an announcement. Like I said, I'm not following any y'all anyway. I could care less. You all are not my heroes and you're not my kids heroes. You know, they're just all these celebrities are in an absolute uproar over free speech and Elon Musk. 
racism and anti-Semitism and disinformation. But know what I noticed? None of them were upset or in a rage about this this fashion company, Balencia, dabbling in child porn and slowly trying to groom our children with this ad they ran. And so in these photos that they ran, it's some young girls, probably maybe three, four years old, maybe five. And they're holding these teddy bears and they are wearing these BDSM outfits. If you don't know what BDSM, it's a sexual practice kind of where bondage and discipline and dominance and submission and sadomasochism. It's it's. You know, it's it's some it's stuff for adults, pretty much, bro. Hey, man, what you do, that's what you do. Do your thing. I, I'm not going to judge judge your kinks, bro. I don't kink shame. Never have, never will. But why are kids in these photos holding teddy bears dressed in BDSM attire? And then to make it worse, in one of the photos, there's a court document. And it's from the 2008 Supreme Court ruling of the United States versus Williams, which examined if laws against the promotion of child pornography were in violation of the First Amendment. You cannot sit here and tell me that this was all just an accident. We don't know how this happened. This is all intentional. And this is absolutely disgusting. And of course, Balencia does not want to take any responsibility for it. So they're saying that this company that they use is North Star, North Six company, that they're the ones that did the ad. And so you know, now they're trying to deflect. And now the designer behind the ad for Balencia, his name is Demina or something like that. He's coming out with a statement and he said, I want to personally apologize for the wrong artistic choice of concept for the gifting campaign with the kids. And I take my responsibility. It was inappropriate to have kids promote objects that had nothing to do with them. As much as I would sometimes like to provoke a thought through my work, I would never have an, in any intention to do that with such a, an awful subject as child abuse that I condemn, period. So what was your thought behind toddlers holding bears dressed in BDSM attire? What was the thought behind that with the court document? I don't I don't understand. You know, everyone's entitled to, you know, let their voice be heard. But you're just saying sorry. I think you're just saying sorry because you got caught and because we all saw what's going on. And you're sorry because you got in trouble. I don't think you're sorry that you did it because that would have never came to my mind as an artistic piece of putting a toddler, a young child in this type of situation in a photo, man. And this is the thing that is driving me crazy currently in America, man. We have so many people trying to groom our children, trying to steal their innocence and their youth and turning our children into sexual objects. There is a problem at the soul core of this country right now with the people thinking it is okay to sexualize children early and to take kids to drag shows. That is not right. Children are to be protected and loved. Children are not to be used sexually and put in these situations where they have a grown man dressed in drag with his ass cheeks out walking around in front of them. You know, it is up to the parent to let their child be exposed to that. But what parent, why would you want your child to be exposed to that? That's why I say, man, America, we have a problem. I don't know what's going on. I know a way to fix it, but I'm not going to say that on this show because I would get in trouble as an officer of the law.
I have my opinions on how to fix it, but I'm going to keep those personally to myself. Just see me in public. Holler at me and I'll tell you one on one. But you know, it, it just bothers me, especially because I'm a father of two children, six and nine years old, man. I couldn't imagine ever taking my child somewhere to a show where people are dancing naked. I mean, I don't even like being around my kids with my shirt off, man. It's just it's why are we doing this to our children? Why, my thing is, why are we allowing this? I'm glad that there was so much pushback and blowback from people. But like I said, notice hardly any celebrities, all the ones that are upset at Elon Musk and free speech leaving Twitter. They're mad about that, but they're OK with our children being sexualized and our children going to drag shows. That's completely normal. Free speech isn't normal, but hey, man, we don't have a problem with Balencia. It's OK. And, you know, the whole slogan for the last few years is silence is compliance. And America's celebrities, their silence is compliance with this because that is just the type of class they are. Like I said, they're their own ruling class. They're free. They're special. They don't have to answer the stuff like we do. And we have to listen to them because they think they know better and they they're nobody. This is why I ignore celebrities. And man, that's why I say I really don't even go to movies anymore because I don't want your woke ideologies. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want my children exposed to that. And that's why I have to monitor everything my children do. And t turn on the TV and YouTube because my kids will see this and they they don't know anything about this stuff. So guess what? They're going to be looking to other people for guidance. But I'm the type of father. I want my kids to come to me for guidance. I want to teach my kids how to see the world. I'm trying to raise my kids into great young Americans. Responsible people that are going to do great for this country and their families. And so I have to constantly monitor everything they do. And I can't be everywhere every time. And since I can't be everywhere with them, I have to start putting things into their mind to let them know this is right. This is wrong. This is what we stand for in the Pitts family. This is what we do in the Pitts family. We don't care what the world's doing. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I say I'm not the best Christian. I'm not the greatest Bible reader. But my heart is in the right place and my intentions are always pure. I said, I might curse and say some things on this show, but guess what? I would never talk like that in front of my children because that is not what I want my kids to see as normal. See, I'm amongst adults on this show. If you're letting your kids listen to it, sorry, I don't know why. <laughs> some people have and I'm like, OK, my buddy at work, he always tells me uh, his son listened to one of my episodes. An episode I did on Black Rifle Coffee on the Medivac podcast. And one of the jokes I said on there was about uh, he had the, the guy, the host lost his leg in Iraq. And I was like talking about people losing their uh, <laughs> losing, <laughs> losing their. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I was talking about soldiers losing their, their their genitals in combat. And I was like, man, wouldn't it be great if you come back with like a giant like robo dick? And <laughs> I told him. <laughs> And so I started calling myself Officer Robo Dick on the show. And his son comes back and was like, Dad, uh, what's a Robo Dick? <laughs> so, <laughs> and of course, you don't expect that on Black Rifle. But with me, my God, you don't know what you're going to get with me, people. I'm, I'm a little out there. I'm a little crazy, y'all. So <laughs> ain't no telling what I might say, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, my wife will be the first to tell you. There ain't no telling what Dexter going to say. Like I said, I'll say some crazy stuff around my kids, but not to that, not to that extreme, not to that degree. Man. No, I'm I'm a decent father, questionable human sometimes in conversation, but I'm definitely a decent father and a decent man. <laughs> uh, but before I get ready to get out of here, there's two more things I want to discuss with y'all. But 
I want to say this. I want to send a shout out to Shepherdsville Police Department Chief Rick McCubbins. My man, Rick, he is officially retiring from law enforcement after, my God, I don't know how long, like 30 plus years. I mean, this man has been there and done it all. And so I want to say congratulations to him on his retirement. And man, what people don't know about Chief McCubbins is this. When I was in the Border Patrol in Arizona and I was battling in my mind of if I should stay federal for the money and if I should just give it up and come home and go back to policing, I was so torn because, man, I was making good money and I knew I could take care of my family. But deep down, I hated my life as a fed. And I was like, man, chief was a fed for a little bit. And so he's always been real open and super cool, man. A super easy guy to talk to. And he's a cop's cop. The man is a police officer through and through and a great police officer and a great leader. Like I said, if I was under chief McCubbin's leadership and he was like, hey, Pitts, there's a guy in here with a machine gun nest. We're going to go get him. We're going to charge it. I would be right behind that man and I would follow him to the ends of the earth. I really would because he's that great of a guy and that great of a leader, man. So, you know, he I, ta- I called him up when I was in Arizona because I was so torn and perplexed about if I was staying or if I was leaving, man. And I talked to him and he told me he was like, look, man, if you're not happy, there's no amount of money that you're going to make in a uniform. That's going to you know, compensate you for you being just miserable at work every day because you're going to bring it home with your family. And because of him and that part of that discussion, I made the choice that I was going to leave the feds, go back to police work, man. And so I just want to thank him for that. I mean, it was a 10, 15 minute conversation that weighed so heavily on me and helped me make that hard decision. So I just want to reach say shout out to Chief McCubbin, say thank you so much for doing that for me. And I just wish you nothing but the best on your next journey or your next adventure, whatever it is you choose to do. Brother, if you decide to go and sit on a beach from here on out, you deserve it because you have done more than your fair share of time in the trenches, man, in policing. So thank you for your many years of service, Chief, and I wish you much luck on your next adventure, my man. And before I go, I want to say R.I.P. to my dude, Mark Anthony, as we call him. But his real name is Mark Anthony Magellan. And if you are from Louisville, you know who Mark Anthony is. If you are not from Louisville and you're listening to this podcast from wherever you are in the world or wherever you are in the country or the state, let me tell you a little something about Mark. So Mark just died the other day. Mark is a local Louisville legend. All right. So he's a man. Mark is an artist and Mark is a big man. Mark probably weighs weighed about four, 500 pounds. And man, Mark was a legit good dude. Mark had some clearly some mental issues going on. But Mark was always super nice. Mark was always super respectful. And Mark, I don't know why, but he always called people, hello, mother. Hello, father. Called everybody mother and father, man. And I've had my run-ins with Mark. So and it was that my run-ins were never bad. He was always super respectful, man. I love talking to Mark. So the uh, WDRB, the local news here, they ran an article on him and it said, Mark Anthony Magellan was often seen in the Highlands sitting on a bench, dancing on the sidewalk or on a board on a tark bus. He always had a sense of humor and a signature smile. And he did. (laughs) But what they forgot to leave out, what they left out in this article, which I don't blame them, but I'm going to tell the truth about Mark because Mark would want me to tell the whole story. Mark is not necessarily just remembered in Louisville for his drawings and his laughter. Mark was known in Louisville for, because Mark liked to get naked, y'all. 
My man like to get butt naked and stand on the corner and just wave at people <laughs> because that was just what Mark did. And for me, it was weird because Mark, like I said, Mark's a big man. He's got a large belly and a lot of overhang. And with the charge of indecent exposure, one's genitals must be exposed. But Mark's genitals were not exposed because... <laughs> of his belly hanging over his genitals, yo. So, man, Mark was always just a great guy, yo. So, my, my one inter... Well, I had a few interactions with Mark, but the most memorable one I had was we were at 4th Street... Uh, oh, excuse me. Jesus, we're tripping all over myself, but... I was patrolling in the downtown area patrol while I was a Louisville cop. And we get a call that there's a giant naked man at 4th Street Live. We're on ATVs, and we roll up. And Mark is in the middle of 4th Street Live completely butt naked and i just wish i had a video channel right now to show the faces that he was making as he was there because if you look at some of the pictures you could all you could just see his faces <laughs> he would do this thing stick his tongue out and roll his eyes man you know and, and i come up to him like mark what are you doing he's like i gotta perform for the people officer pitts i gotta perform i'm an artist and <laughs> i was like mark you gotta put your clothes on man all right, all right, all right, okay. You know, he's in the middle of Louisville's premier destination for 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 cut for uh, tourists, man. Yo, and he's just butt naked, man, and it's hot and he's sweating. I'm like, man, come on, Mark. And so Mark was too big to fit in our police cars, and because Mark was too big to fit in our police cars, we were like, man, how do we handle this situation, yo? Because if we cite him and release him on the spot, he's gonna do it again because it's Mark. You know, he, 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 Mark didn't mean any ill will or having any ill intentions. He just liked to get naked and quote unquote perform for the people. But you, like I said, Mark called it performing. KR, Kentucky Revised Statute, calls it indecent exposure, bro. We can't have that. So I decide, man, you know what? The jail is only like two blocks west of us. How about we walk into the jail? And man, we I took Mark's freaking suitcase for him. My partner is Soto, who's retired, and Jen Fredericks, who's also retired. And we just slowly start walking Mark to the jail, all 400 pounds of him. And he's walking and smiling and laughing. And, oh, oh, Lord, oh, oh, it's so hot. Oh, Lord, I'm tired. Just breathing heavy. Mark was such a great guy. And I just remember getting to the jail and, like, man. I don't know, man. Mark was just a special dude, man. He really was. And like I said, he liked to get naked in public, but Mark was not a bad guy. And like, so I'm not telling this story to shame Mark. I'm telling the story because Mark would want me to tell the story of him performing for the people and getting naked because it's like, that's what people want to see. Like, Mark, that is not what people want to see, my man. But man, he, like I said, he was, his paintings, man, phenomenal paintings. I'm, as I'm in my office, I'm actually looking over at one of the drawings that he drew for me, or that he drew, and I bought it for him, man, when he was staying at a homeless shelter. And man, Mark loved the streets, man. Like, people would come together, and I mean, Mark had money. People would come and give him an apartment and give him whatever he wanted, but he didn't want that. Mark wanted to be in the streets, man. He just loved being in the streets. That was his home for years. So he, I mean, he lived in the streets for God knows how long, man. He had family, and he had people that would provide him stuff, but he just didn't want it his home was the streets and so that's where he was man so sitting over here looking at this uh freaking drawing he did for me and i just absolutely love it i mean it's such a unique drawing and like i said his 
drawings are just like him, unique. Like the biggest, gentlest, nicest guy you could ever meet. Always respectful. Never get. I never had a bad running with the man. Always respectful of the law. Love the police. Love the military, and that's why I bought that drawing. So I'm gonna take a picture of it and uh. Uh, actually, it's already on my uh, Instagram page on I'm Pitts One on Instagram. So you know, I t there's actually video <laughs> and pictures of me at Fourth Street Live with him and walking him to jail. So if you want to see that, go follow me on Instagram on I Am Pitts One and you can see that picture, man. So, man, R.I.P. Big guy, I freaking freaking I'm gonna miss that dude, man. He definitely gonna miss him. Super good dude. He's one of a kind, man. And I, I definitely know he's in a better place. Because if there is a definitely in heaven, Mark is definitely going to be in there. Now, hopefully he's got his clothes on when he came to the pearly gates. But then again, they say when you die, you leave the same way you came in, came in naked. And Mark came in naked and surely he's going out naked. So, <laughs> man, to the Magellan family, man, God bless y'all. Rest in peace to my dude. Man, it's going to be different not seeing him around, though. Definitely going to miss the man. He was a true gentle giant. But ladies and gentlemen, this has been the I Am Pits podcast. I'm going to get ready to go ahead and wrap it up here. Start preparing for the rest of my day because I got to start prepping because I'm moving to night shift on Sundays. Brother is not excited about it at all. But you know what? When you're low man on the totem pole, you can't complain. You just got to do. So I will make do. And so I don't know when the next episode is going to be. Like I said, I, I'm a creature of habit and I'm trying to get on a schedule get my life together, get in shape, get healthy and all that good stuff. And so I got a lot going on, but hopefully I'll be back in front of the microphone soon. If you don't know, my book is out. It's been out. It's coming up on a year in January. I am Pitts, Memoirs of an American Patriot. If you want a copy, send me a note. Holler at your boy. Holler at me at Pitts at yahoo.com. And I will tell you how to order a signed copy from me directly. Also, follow me on Instagram at Pitts one Come live life with me on Instagram. Like I said, I'm not trying to be Instagram famous. I'm not trying to be a TikTok cop. But I get on there, and that's pretty much where I do most of my connecting with the people. And guess what? I love to connect with you. love to stay in touch with you. I'm easy to get a hold of, man. People from all over usually hit me up and get at me, and I love talking to different people and meeting different people. So if I say something in the show that offends you and bothers you, let me know. If, you say, if I say something that you find funny, let me know. Don't be afraid to holler at me. You know, I'm not a Brandon Tatum or Officer Daniels where I have millions of people following me. I only have about 700 followers. I'm trying to get that up. Like I'm trying to get to that 1,000 mark. If you could, tell your peeps to follow me on Instagram. Also, follow me on Facebook at I Am Pitts, Memoirs of an American Patriot. And I think I left out the website for if you want to order my book. IamPitts.com. That's it. IamPitts.com. You know what? Christmas time is coming up, people. And people want a good gift. And there is no better gift I can think of than I Am Pitt's Memoirs of an American Patriot. Look at that. Your Christmas shopping is already done. And this book will keep them happy. They'll laugh. They'll cry. Hey, man, get them the book. I'm telling you, they'll love it. They won't regret it. If you don't believe me, go and look on Amazon at my book. 62 reviews and five stars. Now, I know some people talk about other people's books that have like 100, 200, 300 reviews. Well, guess what? I'm a self-published guy. I don't have a big company behind me. I'm doing this all on my own free will with my own money. So, yes, yes, that's why I don't have hundreds of reviews because I don't have a good big company behind me. But that's why I need you, the people, to help me get my book out there and get my story out there. So, like I said, 
It's always good to hear from you all. Once again, thank you all for tuning in to the I Am Pitts podcast. As always, I love you all and thank you for the support. Every download means the world to me. And that is never going to change. So thank you all for tuning in and I will see you all on the next one. Mm -hmm.